Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. Today, I talk to Julie Dennis about the menopause. This is such an important and empowering conversation for all to listen to. We are not helpless in this journey, and if we can arm ourselves with as much information as possible, then hopefully that transition will be one in which we can go into with confidence. And today I'm talking to Julie Dennis, uh, Director and Lead Trainer at Menopause at Work. Uh, we have a history together of, of networking for a number of years with the wonderful Women in Business Network, uh, where I learned about uh, the work that Julie does around this subject matter. And from a personal point of view, I'm going through uh, a stage in my life where I'm talking to an awful lot of people about this particular subject. And so I thought it would be a good idea to get Julie here on the show to talk to us about all things menopause. So welcome, Julie. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Always very happy to chat about menopause. <laughs> <laughs> See, how about that for a conversation? Always happy to yeah. have conversations around <laughs> yeah. these subjects. That's why, that people... that's why in the days when we were allowed parties, I'm usually standing by myself in the court. <laughs> There's a time, there's a place for this stuff, Julie. There's a time, yeah. there's a place for this stuff. Thank you so much. And like I said before in the intro, I think it is really important to have conversations around things that people find uncomfortable. And it's interesting, I was delivering a, co- a course yesterday and one of my delegates said that she wants to learn to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And actually, I thought that was quite an interesting point because people find things very difficult and uncomfortable to talk about, but they are probably the things that we do need to find narrative around because they are so impactful. And so in terms of the work that you do, what brought you to this kind of work? What brought you to this field of expertise, Julie? Um, Well, it's a very kind of, uh, it's a very wiggly route, to be honest. Um, I worked uh, in various organisations as a PA for many years, um, finishing up in the mining industry. And I was made redundant back in 2013. And at the time I decided, I was fortunate enough to get a good payoff, so I didn't have to make any quick decisions. And I realized that I didn't want to go back to that kind of traditional form of working. I wanted to do something completely different. And initially I qualified as a personal trainer, set up a little personal training business locally, um, specifically working with women over 40. I wanted to work with women like me, um, you know, women who wanted to get fit, but not too fit, lose a bit of weight, but not too much, you know, still be able to find some balance and maybe some imbalance in their lives if, if, <laughs> if the need called. And that, that was great. I really enjoyed it met lots of great people but what I found was I was getting questions about menopause and hormonal change so it led me to investigate that further um, realized there was kind of a big gap in the market in terms of knowledge um, for a lot of us um, and the ability to find sensible practical advice as opposed to the Daily Mail online so uh, <laughs> I gradually pivoted my business so it became more focused on menopause coaching And then uh, purely by chance at a networking meeting, actually one day, somebody asked me if I did menopause talks for workplaces too. So I said, yes, like you do when you're running your own business. I can do that. And I I really enjoyed it was the main thing. But the other thing was that I realized by moving into the workplace, I could impact more people 
quickly. Whereas where not, previously I've been working on a one-to-one -one basis, I was, I, was, I, was, uh, I was helping people, I was creating change, but it was a lot slower. Whereas I feel that it can move a lot quicker from the workplace. And I felt that this is a topic that we needed to get up to speed on much more quickly. It wasn't something that we can take years to come to terms with. People need to know now yeah. um, about what to expect, what they can do about it, and not to be fearful or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And actually, it's interesting because you talk about going into organisations. Do you recall any kind of kickback from that or was it a smooth transition into the workplace? People kind of accepted this subject matter with open arms or was there a bit of, oh, well, you know, is the workplace the kind of place for that? Because historically, I'd imagine women would have just kept quiet about those things and just try to muddle along whilst being in the workplace, even though they were suffering maybe some quite adverse reactions to that process. Yeah, so you get mixed reactions, you know, each workplace is in a different place um, in terms of their well-being, their diversity, their inclusion agenda, you know, they're all moving at different paces. So the workplaces that welcomed me with open arms are the one that, ones that are further ahead, ahead in that journey. However, you still get the questions around, well, you know, should we be talking about this? Isn't this just another stick to beat women on the head with? You know, how is this possibly relevant in the workplace? Aren't we just setting back, you know, setting women back years again? And of course, the answer is, is no, we're absolutely not. Um, you know, that's the, the same arguments that were used when we first started to address pregnancy in the workplace. And we know that they don't apply. Um, so I think the important thing to say is that if you don't want to talk about menopause, you absolutely don't have to. We're not forcing people to talk about it. We're not forcing people to have conversations about it. What we're saying is that if you want to talk about it, if you do need help, we're putting in a framework to support you to do that, to enable you to do the, your job to the best of your ability. And that's what it's all about. It's just helping people to work to the best of their ability, which is after all is what we all want, you know, both as individuals, that's what our managers want. And that's what the organization wants to absolutely and in, it's interesting yesterday i was talking about equality you know or equal opportunities equal opportunities as you know is not about treating everybody the same right it's not having a blanket policy where well we've got a well-being policy or we've got our health and safety policy it's looking at the people that have to use that policy and finding it, out equity, it absolutely so equ equity mm. Um, so I like that word. Um, so from that point of view, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about workplaces because ultimately that's where we go to work. We spend half of our time in these organisations. We used to. Well, yes, we used to. Pre, yeah, pre-locked. I'm doing this in my office um, yeah. with, with nobody else here and you're at home, right? So yes, so this is lockdown times. But so, and it actually is interesting because even from a non-working in the office, stance we still have to address the concerns and the things that our staff are going through just to make sure mm. that we are addressing their human needs rather than their workforce needs yeah. and I think when we when we are working with human beings we have to take on board those human traits that are going to crop up and I know that when and you'll probably tell me a little bit more now when we're thinking about menopause there's an awful lot of stigma attached to that mm -hmm. All right. And stigma is my thing. You know, it's about breaking down barriers and having conversations yeah. so we can have open dialogue for those people, like you mentioned, that want to have that dialogue. So what stigma is there? And actually, there's probably a two pronged approach here. What stigma is there around menopause from the from the top? And what second of all, what's the stigma in the workplace around menopause? I think um, so. When you, what do you mean from the top? You mean from I think from society's point of view? From yeah, society, right? yeah. 
Okay, right. I think, you know, from society, it's this thing around aging and that aging is a bad thing. Um, and the invisibility associated with older women, you know, whether that's not being able to get served at a bar or whether that's, uh, you know, not getting not getting that promotion because you're thought to be a little bit past it. So society, it's all around the associations around aging and that being a negative thing. And, you know, the obsession um, there is in certain parts of the world these days with maintaining a youthful appearance mm. and denying that, you know, experience and getting older is a good thing and that there's a problem with growth as opposed to it, as it opposed to it, you know, opening up different opportunities. So that's where it comes from the societal aspect in my, in my belief. And I think the stigma at the workplace is, um, it's just another version of that. It's not wanting to um, be perceived as someone who can't cope any longer for whatever reason because you know when we go to work whether we're working in a in a face-to-face environment which we will be again at some point or whether it's in a virtual environment you always go as the best version of yourself to work right so you go as yourself but it's a slightly polished version of yourself it's not the version that your partner or your children or your best mate sees the version you present to your colleagues is very different so to have that version of you threatened by um, feelings of anxiety by being unable to control your temperature by not having slept for a year by being full of aches and pains by worrying about um, uh, the fact that your brain isn't working as fast as, as it has done in the past all those things um, create this stigma and this fear that you're going to be judged and viewed differently and assume that you're not up to the task any longer. Yeah. Wow. And that's a lot to take on, right? I mean, when are we talking, when I, when I deliver mental health training courses, you know, we talk about depression, anxiety, all, all sorts, you know, the whole plethora yeah. of mental illness and mental ill health. And I always say to people, you know, toilets at workplaces are often that place where people go to, to have a moment. Right to kind of be themselves right and that might be crying or just letting their guard down just letting those letting their shoulders sag for a bit you know because actually Mm -hmm. that maintenance of that of that mask or you know that skin I call it you know that you put on to go to work to to present this polished view it's hard work it's heavy and and I hear an awful lot of people saying you know you you can't take your home life into work you know you've got to leave it at the door I mean I think you've probably heard that over the years but you know it's inappropriate to take every part of yourself to work and and again I agree to some extent that that is the case you can't take everything that is that you are into workplace there's a certain level of professionality professionalism Mm -hmm. expected of you etc but when it's something that you can't control yourself fundamentally and it is a part of you as a woman how therefore can we can we prepare for this and actually I think it is a matter of preparing and I, I know I've been having some conversations with some friends of mine. I'm 41 and I know that in the next maybe five, six, seven years, I'm, I might start to show off signs of, of, of getting, yeah. entering the menopause. And I'm petrified, Julie. I really am because every conversation I'm having around this subject matter with women who are older than me in my, yeah. in my circle, it none of it's positive. <laughs> I know, I know. You know and I, and I, I don't, you know, and that's not right either. So I want to start by saying that 20% of women don't notice any symptoms, oh, right? Yes. of women, which is a significant number, right? So that's the first thing to say. Not everybody is going to notice those symptoms. Um, most of us will, um, but they're manageable 
if you've got the information on how to manage them. So it is a very tiny percentage of, of, of women who, who really do struggle. The majority of women struggle because they haven't been given the information that they need in order to make the choices to manage those symptoms. And it is all about choice. You know, nobody should be telling anybody what they should be doing. It's all about saying, this is what you could do if you choose to, to feel more in control again. And then letting that person make the choice, you know, your body, your menopause, your choice. I'm really, really, there's not many, I'm, I don't very often talk about being passionate about my work, but that's the one thing that I am really passionate about. Nobody should be judging or telling anybody what they should be doing. It's all about choice. And that comes down to individual choice, right? Yeah. The whole idea about enabling empowerment for me, which is why I started to do, to do the work mm. I do, is about enabling people to make those choices from their own position of knowledge but the problem we have is that you know the conversation we just had a minute ago all of the expectations I have are because that's all I ever hear of the statistic yeah. you've just given about 20 percent I've never heard of that you know and that's actually really important to hear because it gives you hope it gives you oh okay well it's not necessarily going to be that bad and you know actually if I understand that there are things that I can do then I might not end up feeling it as 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 detrimentally perhaps as, mm -hmm. as those who don't know aren't informed don't prepare don't do yep. the work behind it you're listening to it is what it is the podcast we hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter if you'd like to hear more please subscribe but for now let's get back to that conversation so actually, how can we prepare themselves? And I know you talked about um, being aware of the things that, is that, that we can do in terms of choices. Mm -hmm. Practically, and actually it's quite important for me, I've got a few friends of mine who are the only woman in their family. So I've got a daughter and my daughter is at that stage where she's just coming up, coming, she's just joining us at the beginning of her journey. And I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> really getting up. Said that on the podcast <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well we're very open in our family very okay. open she, and also you know she's she's 11 and I think actually yeah. you know, that, that age range is is kind of it right so and then there's me that's kind of going towards the end of that journey mm. and I have her to share those angst with you know even though she's yeah. only 11 she, I go oh my tummy hurts and she'll go oh, yeah my tummy hurts you know we have that lovely little relationship but those women that don't have women perhaps in their lives yeah they might have quite a lot of men in their lives broaching those subjects might be really difficult and actually how important is it to have an open dialogue and I know you're probably going to say it's about choice but how important is it to have that dialogue when the changes are imminent um, to be able to kind of explain yourself and your emotions and feelings yeah so yes yes it is about choice however the foundation of any relationship is honesty and openness and and, and trust and communication so if you're not communicating to the people in your household the people that you love and the people that love you how you're feeling then how can they possibly understand what's going on and do anything to help you um, you know if you want help you do have to ask for it whether that's at home or at work and whether you think that's fair or not but you do have to learn to to ask for help and that just begins with a conversation sitting down saying this is the way I'm feeling right now this is what you could do to help me. And that's going to be different for everyone. You know, whether you just need a, a hug occasionally, whether you just want them to pick their goddamn towels up off the bathroom, <laughs> or whether you want them to empty the dish, but whatever it is that you want, ask 
and not in that in that heat of the moment i mean before we came online today we were talking about the rage the Mm. menopausal rage this big ball of fury that you can suddenly be carrying around with you so you know don't don't that is not the time to have the conversation when your menopausal (laughs) rage is at its peak to start making demands have the conversation afterwards after the rage after the tears when everyone's feeling a bit calmer and then try to explain in your own words what's happening yeah and I guess that's the very difference between now and maybe historical conversations where women just did not talk about it you know Mm -hmm. they kind of carried that all by themselves and you know no one spoke about these things and I can't even imagine the kind that the sort of potential pain externally from that 20 percent you know that didn't have any mm-hmm. yeah, symptoms. Sure. but those people that were really struggling not feeling that it was appropriate to have those conversations and struggling along and therefore people if you're not if you're not aware then how can you interject how can you you know offer mm-hmm. support and offer, offer help if you're not open enough to those conversations so <laughs> i know that there have been plenty of times in the heat of the moment you know yeah. when you talk about that ball of rage and you demand what is it yeah. <laughs> like, right now <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to work it's not no, a good solution yeah exactly so it's about taking that time during those calm moments to communicate your needs and your feelings and emotions in this oversharing world that we live in now but it no. definitely has its place you know i'm all for conversations i think it's really really important to just communicate you know it is and the great thing now is that menopause is now on the curriculum at school Whereas when we were at school, all we got taught about was the the start of fertility. There was no information at at all about what happened at the other end. But now it's being taught at school. It means in a couple of generations time, we probably won't have to have these um, train this type of training in the workplace Mm -hmm. because everyone will be. Yeah, menopause is just another thing that we understand and that we can talk about. And it's okay to talk about if you want to. Absolutely. My son came home the other day and said to me, Mum, we were talking about mental health today. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, we talked about, you know, depression and we talked about anxiety and schizophrenia. And I was like, wow, have you got any, you know, any comments or any questions? And he's like, no, no, I think the teacher was quite passionate about, about it. So she kind of got it across. And I was like, wow, that's really good to hear that mm. they are having conversations around these subject matters that are making a massive difference to our society both entering into the work into yeah. the education system and then seeing that mirrored when they get to an organization that's done the work mm-hmm. and i think you know then it like you said it just becomes that normal transition and part and parcel of everyday life that's which, right which is key ultimately mm-hmm. um okay so workplace strategy then um workplaces and again from my work i'm always talking about strategy being that overriding piece of work that we can kind of keep referring back to which needs to be fluid Mm -hmm. you know kept up to date how can organizations incorporate uh, menopause work into the workplace strategy and it be meaningful and what i mean by that is it's all well writing a piece of paper but Mm -hmm. what does the practice look like some ever banging on about you know lip service and pieces of paper it's all well having them but what does it actually look like in in the workplace for this particular subject um yeah so i mean it looks different in each workplace but you know from from my perspective and from the experience of working with the with the wide range of uh, organizations across the public and the private sector there's five key areas that they need to focus on really Um, first of all it's around engagement 
generating engagement and that can be setting up focus groups that could be adding a couple of surveys to your employee engagement um, a survey that goes out regularly but just getting that conversation started so creating engagement um, raising awareness raising awareness across the organization menopause is an inclusive topic this isn't about singling women out for mm. special it's a conversation that everybody should be invited to in the same way that everybody is invited to the mental health conversation. You know, when you do your mental health training sessions, you're not just inviting people in with personal experience of mental health. You're inviting everybody to understand it. And it's exactly the same with, with menopause. So that broad awareness, um, education, educating managers and leaders. So they're well placed to support um, their team members and understand the business context. This isn't a nice to have tick box wellbeing initiative. Um, it's, um, it's business essential. And we've actually had a couple of uh, uh, cases in recent years where, where women have been performance managed out because of menopause, including in big companies like BT. And they've then gone on to successfully take their employers to tribunal. So there's actually a, a risk there to mitigate too from a leadership perspective. Yeah. Um, also looking at support, specific support, not just for those experiencing symptoms, but maybe for partners too, who, who are living someone who's experiencing symptoms. Because if you're living with someone who hasn't slept for a year or so, then you probably haven't slept either. If you're living with someone who is having difficulty controlling their moods or is very emotional um, or leads uh, less resilient than they have been in, in the past, that's going to affect you personally and that's going to spill into your professional life. Um, and the final piece is around sustainability. Um, it's about implementing a long-term strategy. So you said, as you said, it's not about pieces of paper. You know, I read a lot about, oh, only 10% of organizations have a menopause policy in place. So what? Mm. A menopause policy means absolutely nothing. Absolutely. You know, stuff yes. on the internet that nobody ever reads yeah. unless you know it has to be updated every couple of years. You know, the only reason you go on the internet at work is to check how much holiday you've got left. <laughs> certainly not going to review all the policies yeah, so the policies yeah. are useful as a framework but they're they're useless unless you put in accompanying um training programs uh, uh initiate those conversations and do everything that you can do to make sure both your your current and your future talent can thrive and when you're creating an environment where it's okay to talk about menopause you're enhancing your reputation as an employer of choice mm -hmm. you know when people are looking uh, uh for work these days they're looking to work in places that can provide them support through all their career stages whatever go is going on for them outside of work or in work that's wonderful be that company people if you're if you're there running a business or you're in charge of people and policy at work make it make it really 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 integral to looking after your staff and like i love what you just said there julie about every part of their career you know as an individual it's just amazing I went to John Lewis a couple of uh, months ago and I went to the loo and I came out and there was a poster after washing my hands obviously yes yes I did <laughs> and um, <laughs> there was a poster on the wall that was that had a menopause drop-in group you know this was it this was in John Lewis and it was in the loo and I was like oh my gosh that's amazing you know just seeing that there was a group in the camp that you could drop into every couple of weeks that had a kind of uh, a masterclass, if you like, around menopause. And mm -hmm. that was just publicly there for anybody to see and for anybody to join in. I thought it was a really, really awesome initiative to have in the public yeah. domain. 
yeah the older Lou news is uh, is quite popular so any kind of sensitive information that you don't want to put on a public news 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 um uh, what do you call them notice board at work pop a poster on the inside of a toilet door you've got a captive audience yes. <laughs> and people... not just me i say this about everything if you've been on <laughs> one of my training courses before people you've heard me say all information that is relevant and important to people pop it on the back of Lou Dawes. See, I am not the only one. There you go. <laughs> from, from a second source there. Because people will sit there when they, you know, when they're tired or they're crying or they're doing whatever and they'll read it and they'll understand, like you said, about their organisation, their organisation really caring and do, going above yeah. and beyond to try and make them comfortable. So we've, we've talked a lot about workplace and I do appreciate that, you know, you, you do work and menopause mm. at work. But from, from with my mates, you know, who I'm talking yeah. to at the moment, where can they go to find out information that's relevant for them rather than listening to uninformed friends talking <laughs> about perhaps experiences yeah. that they have had? Now, as a trainer, I've always said to people, advice is the wrong thing to give. Supporting information is perfect because support mm-hmm. information are twofold. You can support somebody practically, emotionally, mentally, and you can give them information which is relevant and appropriate for them. But what happens is if you're untrained and you are uninformed about that practice, you give advice, which is always the worst thing because it comes from a position of you. And I always explain to people, if I give you advice, it's because it's probably something that's happened to me and that's what I did in order to get through it, over it or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's because I come as an individual with a whole wealth of difference. So me saying, well, you know, you probably shouldn't go on HRT or actually you should probably stay on the pill or, or you should do, that's for me a bit unhelpful because what if I choose that? But it's not necessarily right for me. Right, for you. Um, yeah. how, can, how can we, as me and my peers and my friends, um, kind of hit this next phase of our lives as informed as possible? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first place to start, if you, you know, if you have reached the stage where symptoms are interfering with, with your enjoyment of life, either at home or at work, and that's different for everybody, everybody has their different line in the stand. Um, the first place to start is with the NICE guidelines, the National Institute for Care and Excellence Patient Guidelines, where it'll help you to understand what menopause is, um, understand the type of conversation that your doctor should have with you about it. In other words, not just discussing HRT, but discussing other options too, and help you to think about the kind of questions that you can ask in that point appointment so if you want to go and speak to your gp read those nice guidelines first of all um, there is a wonderful podcast another podcast called the happy menopause run by a friend of mine jackie lynch who is 100 percent focused on lifestyle changes so if you decide that hrt is not for you um, either because you can't take it or you don't want to then the other place to look is 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 around the, your eating and your drinking and sadly people it's about not drinking <laughs> let no me just alcohol. No but, yeah. alcohol, right? Okay. Certainly, okay. certainly less alcohol. Certainly less alcohol. But if you are going to drink, by the way, prosecco is the best choice. Woohoo! And that's <laughs> that's because of the less. Uh, that's because it's got quite a low a low sugar content. But those would be the two main plus places to start first. So if you're thinking about seeing the doctor, then go check out those nice guidelines. And if you're thinking about lifestyle changes in the first instance, then I would go and check out the Happy Menopause podcast by. Um, uh, Jackie Lynch and then the other website that is really full of information is called um, gosh it's either the menopause doctor dot co dot uk or menopause doctor 
www.menopause.co.uk but it's specifically written by a menopause specialist but the key thing here is that you're speaking to an expert a specialist and as you, as daniel says you know chat about it with your friends by all means but what worked for them won't necessarily work for you because menopause is a very individual experience you know my menopause experience of menopause which is a hysterectomy in my early 30s is going to be very different from your experience of menopause danielle so there's no point in me saying well this is what worked for me because it won't necessarily work for you it's about saying this is what could work for you now go make your choices choose one thing and see how that goes enabling empowerment i love it so yeah. <laughs> people are able to make those decisions with the correct information to do so mm -hmm. and i love that because people often don't know where to go and they do lean on their friends an awful lot and they lean yeah. on information or googling subject matters or googling ailments which often is the worst thing to do i said don't, yeah. don't, get, don't go down that hole <laughs> Absolutely. yeah it is a rabbit hole of hell right because ultimately it's you know there's there's so much to try and meander through or, or wade through and 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 half of that stuff like i said is quite biased so some really really awesome tips there so people if you are interested in menopause from, from two stances, workplace. If it's from the workplace, get in touch with Julie. It's what she does. There's some details coming up in a minute about how you can contact her. But otherwise, all my friends listening to this, all of my peers listening to this, not necessarily in the workplace, but there is education out there for us people. I am here. I'm going to be joining it. I'm going to be looking it up um, and doing that research myself because I think to be forewarned is forearmed. Yeah, and Prosecco for everyone. And Prosecco for Did you hear that? We just told we can drink Prosecco, people. We can drink Prosecco as your choice. But Julie, thank you so much. That was a really, really, really awesome conversation and really important and empowering. And, that, you know, like I said before, it is so important that we get the correct information. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. So just before we wrap up, wrap up could you please let everybody know where they can find you and your details, please? Yep, yeah, sure. So best place to find me is on my website, juliedennis.net. Um, lots of information on there to help you uh, both personally and as an organisation. Or otherwise, I tend to hang around on LinkedIn. If you're active on that platform, please come say hello and connect with me. But thank you so much for having me here today, um, Danielle. It's been really good to chat. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. You take care and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to the It Is What It Is podcast, presented by Daniel Bridge and produced by Defresh Productions.